Well, we want to welcome you back to our series called Even Before He Came. And uh, we've been looking in this series uh, during this Christmas season at some of the stories around the birth of Christ and how they talk to us about the nature of God and what he's up to. And we were talking about the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh, uh, that he was the visible image of the invisible God. And, and so he was, he was the manifestation of God showing us what God was all about. But even before Jesus came, God was up to some stuff. And that's what we've been looking at. Uh, we kicked the series off talking about the even before he came, God was speaking. That there has never been a time in history when God wasn't speaking to his people. And uh, when Jesus came, obviously he got to be the voice of God throughout his ministry here on earth. But even after Jesus, God continues to speak. And again, if there'd be one thing, man, I'd want you to take home today, it would be the idea that God is speaking to you. And I hope that you're hearing him because God has always been speaking. We talked about the fact that God uh, has always been blessing. Look at me for a second. You know, one of the things I, I want us to really come to understand is this idea that God is for us and not against us. Amen. He's for us. That God's desire really is to bless his people. And, and, and Jesus was this great manifestation of blessing. But yet, even before Jesus came, God's always been blessing. All throughout the Old Testament and even till now. And as we head into this new year, if there would be one thing I could say to you, it would be this. Hey, God wants to bless you. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more what? abundantly. That's what he wants to do. And then we talked about the fact that God uh, is, has always been redeeming. Uh, Jesus was God's redemption, God's way uh, of, of atoning for our sin. Yet even before Jesus, God was always trying to redeem his people. And even now, for those of us who, who may find ourselves a long way from God, guess what? God is pursuing you and God is trying to redeem you. And today I want to wrap this series up with another story wrapped around the, the, the birth of Christ, but talking about this idea that God is guiding. God is guiding. Have you ever noticed in Scripture how often God is referred to as a father, one who would guide his children? Or he's referred to as a shepherd, a God who would lead his sheep and lead his people. Now, if we think about heading into this new year in 2021, how many of you would be honest enough to admit that you could really use the guidance of God into this new year? How many of you would, would agree to that? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. I want to look at the story of the Magi, and I want us to, to glean some thoughts and principles, maybe understanding a little bit of how God guides, but also maybe what we need to do in response to the guidance of God. Sit back for a second. Let me just read the scripture to you from Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, there were some wise men, wise men from eastern lands who arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and he asked, 
Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, I want to, I wanna, when I was looking at this story, I was thinking about several things regarding the wise men that are, I think, are really great insights for us in our own journey with God. Because here's what I guarantee you. God is wanting to guide you into 2021. But there's some things that we can learn from the wise men that I think can really help us on that journey. Are you ready? If you want to take out your sermon outline, you can track along with me. Let me give you a couple of thoughts that I had when I was looking at the story again. Here's the first one, and you'll get this. A journey with God is rarely a quick trip. A journey with God is rarely a quick trip. How many of you have discovered in your own walk of faith that God just isn't in a hurry. Have you ever have you discovered that? I mean, how many times have you have you felt God show you uh, maybe show you who he wants you to be? And you're thinking, "Yeah, God, I want to be that." And then after year after year goes by and you're wondering, "Lord, how long is it going to take for me to really become that person that you're showing me?" Or maybe sometimes you'll have an experience of, of God laying something on your heart, a, a particular prayer concern that you believe God really wants you to pray for and that he really wants to answer. And so you pray and you pray and you pray and you go, God, you know, how, how, when, when are you going to answer this prayer? Or maybe for some of us, we, we felt that call of God. We've, we really feel like God wants to do something in us or we, want to, we feel like God wants to do something through us. And yet we, we're going like, God, you know, when are we going to get there? Well, think about the wise men for just a second. Think about their journey. Now, we don't know exactly where they're from. Um, they say, if the scripture records that they were from eastern lands. Um, most scholars will say that they were probably from Iran or, or, or Iraq area uh, of the country. Um, so when you begin to look at how long do you think it took these guys to take this trip, well, most scholars, again, say, it, it, depending on where they were, it, it could have been up to an 800-mile journey. So it could have taken anywhere from three months to two years. Again, remember in the story, 
Herod asked him, when was the first time you saw the star? Um, you know, that was why he, Jesus could have been up to two years old by the time that the wise men got there. Now, just thinking about it a second. Think about you're the Magi, and, and you've got this entourage, and, and you see the star, and you know that God is leading you to a king. Now, you're following the star, so most likely you're traveling by night, which makes this trip take even longer. And so you're following the star, and you're following the star day after day, week after week, month after month at what point you know are you thinking God we saw the star you promised that we're going to see a king are we there yet you know are we there yet but that's the point the fact of the matter is um, God uh, is not all about when we arrive that's us that's not God Sometimes these things that God shows us, sometimes these things that God wants to do in our lives take a lot longer than we really want them to. Does that make sense to you? I, I love when, um, that's why I put on your outline a statement that says, you know, when, when God gives you a glimpse of where you're going, it doesn't mean you're going to get there tomorrow. Now, Take a deep breath for a second and, and step back. Because, again, when you start thinking about this, the process that God takes us through, this really pushes against the grain of, of our culture and how we like to think of things being done. I mean, think about it with me. How many times in the last weeks have you read advertisements that had the words quick or easy in them? Um, you know, get a degree fast. You know, you can, you know, you can get a, you can get a degree quickly, earn money fast, um, lose weight fast. And, you know, again, we get all these, and that's how we want to do it. We, we want to do it. We are no longer a crockpot generation. We're a microwave generation. You know, we want it and we want it now, but that's not how God operates. Sometimes this journey takes time. I love Deuteronomy 8. Moses was talking to the people, and he said, Remember how the Lord led you through the wilderness for how long? Say it out loud. 40 years. Circle that. He led you for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. I saw this cartoon. I just thought this was really cute. If you're Moses breaking the news to the people, look at this. He goes back and he says, well, the good news is just 40 laps around the wilderness for disobeying God. Bad news is each lap takes a year. Each lap takes a year. Well, that's kind of not how it wants to go. So why does it take God so long? Why does it take God so long? Don't miss this. Because God is not nearly as concerned as when you arrive as he is about who you are when you arrive. Let me say that again. God's not as concerned about the arriving as he is about your becoming. Can we rewind the tape to that passage again? Can we throw that back? Is that Put that back up on the screen for me, Josh. He says, remember how God led you through the wilderness for 40 years. Now, why was he doing this? Read it out loud. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character. What I want you to look at is God was concerned with the process. 
God was concerned about shaping you. Now, again, look at me for a second. I don't know what God is up to in your life. I don't know what visions he's given you of, uh, of what he wants to do in you or through you or what dreams he's laying on your heart. I have no idea what burdens God may have you praying about, but this is all you got to get. Sometimes the journey takes time. Rarely with God is it ever a quick trip. Now, I always love the quote by James Garfield, uh, President James Garfield, when he was um, the head of Hiram College in Ohio, was uh, approached by a wealthy donor to the school who had a son at the university. And um, he asked, the, uh, asked James Garfield, he said, I, this program takes four years. He goes, I would really like my son to get through a lot faster. Isn't there any way you can condense or simplify this process so my, my son can get a degree quickly? And James Garfield responded by saying, you know, it takes God a hundred years to grow an oak tree, but it only takes him two months to grow a squash. He said, I guess it means, I guess you have to decide what kind of son you want. Good point. Don't know where God is taking you. Don't know what God is telling you or where he's trying to guide you, but just remember with God, it's rarely a quick trip. Amen? Amen. Let me, give you, let me give you a second thought. Receiving divine direction doesn't mean there won't be difficulty and detours. Receiving divine direction doesn't mean there won't be difficulty and detours. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, again, when we think about the wise men, we have no idea what their journey was like. We don't really have it recorded in Scripture. Um, we usually say three wise men because of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, but the truth is there were probably a, long, a large entourage, which is how most people traveled that day. And uh, if you think about if they're coming, let's say, cut, to, cut, cut somewhere in the middle, 400 or 600 miles, they're traveling by by foot or on camels. They're making this journey at night. Think about the rough terrain that they had to go through. Um, think about the robbers and the bandits they had to avoid or fight off along the way. Think about the weather that they had to endure as they traveled. Uh, think about the illnesses that probably many of them in their entourage contracted along the way, whether it be through bacteria in the water or, 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 or just becoming dehydrated or whatever. Think, think about all. We, you see, when we see the story, we forget the fact that these guys came a long way, which meant there was a lot of hardship that was involved. Now, look at me. I want you to get this. Because if there is a piece of false theology that we often buy into, it's this idea that if God is in it, it will be easy and painless. And that's just not true. God never promised that his call on our lives or that his work in our lives would be easy. Let me give you a great example. You remember back in Genesis when, when God called Abram and he told him that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something really cool. I want you to leave your place, leave your father's house. I want you to, to take off on your own. I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show. Man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to take you to this great land. You remember all that? And so Abram gets his house together. They take off and follow God. And look what happens. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. Here's what it says. Read it with me. 
And at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Now think about this if you're Abram. It's like you've left everything behind. You've followed God. No sooner do you get to this promised land and there's a famine and now you got to move them again down to Egypt just so you don't starve to death. It's like, God, are you kidding me? You're getting this. Are you kidding me? How often do we do that? How many times, think with me, in this last year, did we say, God, what in the world are you up to? I mean, can life be any more difficult than it's been? Well, I don't know what God's going to do in 2021. I hope he spares us a lot of what we experienced in 2020. But I'm going to promise you this. Whatever journey you're on, there is going to be difficulty. And there are going to be detours to it. I love Exodus chapter 3. God was speaking to Moses, and he told Moses he wanted him to go back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. You remember that? And Moses has gone like, you know, me? You want me to do this? Yeah, I want you to go back and tell the elders of Israel uh, to, to stand with you. I want you to walk into the court of the most powerful king on earth, and I want you to tell him to let the people go. I want you to do all this. And then look at what God says in Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Read it with me. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. Stop for a second. Think about that. God has just told Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the leaders. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to do all these things. But I know that even as you go, it ain't going to happen. Like what? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless a mighty hand compels him. Here's what he says. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last, he will not let you go. Now look at me. You got to get this. I am not going to tell you at all if you really lean into, seek out, and follow the guidance of God that this next year is going to be easy for you. In fact, I'm going to promise you there are going to be difficulties and probably some detours along the way. But here's the deal. God's hand will be upon you. If you're following the Lord, his hand will be upon you, and he will see you through. Um, Wanda and I were having a, a conversation um, a week or so ago about why God doesn't tell us things in advance. And the fact of the matter is, if God told us what it was going to be like, we probably wouldn't go. Amen? Think about that for a second. You'll get this. Um, we have our grandkids all living close now, which we're really excited about. And uh, Monday nights, I get to, uh, I get to have um, Maddox and Jolie uh, for the evening for a few hours. Last Monday night, I, I got home from work, and, and Wanda was doing her counseling in the bedroom, and Ben had left, and so I had the kids, and, and I was doing my grandfatherly thing, uh, playing with them, and then I got them fed. They got hungry, and so I, I got them something to eat and kind of just having a good time with them. And then um, I, I had went in the living room, and I sat down, and I saw Jo Lee, our 12-year-old. I saw her get up and go into, into the kitchen, 
And, um, and Jolie, because she's autistic and tends to get into things, you kind of got to keep an eye on her. So I got up and I walked into the kitchen to see what she was up to. And she was standing by the table and she was just kind of standing there like this. And I stood there for a second and I said, Joe, are you okay? And she turns around and she lost it. And she throws up all over the floor. And I'm like, ah, you know, and then she does it again. Wah! And I'm standing there, and, and now, again, I'm, I'm standing there, and, and I'm trying to get to her. I feel so bad for her. I'm in my stocking feet, and I promise you, there is a lake of vomit between me and her. A lake. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get through this? And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm trying to get around. I was getting towels, and I was doing all this kind of stuff. And I thought, this is way over my head. So I ran into the bedroom where Wanda was counseling on the phone. And I opened the door, and I said, I don't know who you're talking to, and I don't know what their problems are, but this one is bigger. I need you, you know. And Wanda, bless her heart, was good enough to get off the phone and come out and, and help me and all this. And we, and we finally got it all planned. And she was fine and all that stuff. Now, now look at me. You're going to get this. I didn't sign up for that when I took on this whole grandfathering thing. You see, grandfathers are supposed to rock the babies and hold the babies. And we are to tickle them. And we are to take them to our, the store and swipe our credit card so they can buy stuff. That, that's what grandfathers do. I didn't sign up for her to get sick. And that's the point. Don't miss this. Think about it with me. How many of us would have had kids if we knew what we were in store for? How many of us would have got married if we knew what we were in store for? You see, there are a lot of challenges along the way that God doesn't tell us about. He doesn't show us all the difficulty. Yes, look at me. Hear my heart. He'll give us the strength to get through. He'll give us the wisdom to get through. He'll give us the guidance to get through. But you know what? If he would have told us in advance, for many of us, it would have scared us off. Even the call of God on our lives. You know, when I was processing this, I was thinking about, you know, the different stuff in ministry. And, you know, how many of us would have become pastors if we would have, if we would have known some of the stuff that we would have had to incur along the way? And then I thought about Paul. And when Apostle Paul agreed to sign on as an apostle, when, when Jesus struck him down blind and showed him who he really was. And Paul agreed to become this church planter and this apostle to the churches. Look at me. Paul had no idea what he was about to get into. Here's Paul writing at, at toward the end of his ministry, looking back, talking about what he's had to endure. Listen to this. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times... I was beaten with rods. Once they threw rocks at me and I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and, sea, uh, and day at, adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from the rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the sea. I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and often gone 
gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. I wonder if Paul would have still signed on if God would have showed him that all of this was about to happen. You see, God doesn't tell us about the difficulties all in advance. He just lets us know this. He will give us the faith and strength along the way. Amen? You bet. Let me give you another thought from the wise men. God's guidance is never just about us. God's guidance is never just about us. You do know that the wise men coming to see the baby Jesus just wasn't just for the thrill of them getting to see the baby Jesus. There was some real tangible pieces to this involved. Okay, think with me for a second. What did the, these magi, who were obviously wealthy, what did they bring? What gifts did they bring to Mary and Joseph and the baby? Say them out loud. Gold frankincense, and myrrh, treasures. Now, why would that be important? Do you remember shortly after this story what happened, how Herod, when, when he found out that the wise men had skipped town and he wasn't going to be able to get to you, remember what he did? He issued this decree that all of the babies, all the children two years old and younger, that they would be killed. And if you remember the story, God spoke to Mary and Joseph in a dream, told them to go where? Anybody remember? Yeah, down to Egypt. Now, Joseph was a carpenter, so how, how in the world is gonna, he, he has to root up his family. Now he's rushing down to Egypt. How are they going to survive? Well, they had gold. They had frankincense and myrrh that they could sell. You see, the wise men, the magi, coming to see the baby and seeing Mary and Joseph, it wasn't just about the magi and what they got to see. It was about this family who had God had his hand on that were about to be blessed. Now, look at me. you got to hear this. You see, all too often when, as, we're, as we're doing this walk with God and as we feel God nudging us to go places and do things and make decisions and follow his call, way too often we make it just about us. And you know what? It's almost never just about us. What if God is guiding you not just for you but some other people that he needs to touch because of what you do? I love it when God was speaking to Abram. You remember Genesis 12 when I was telling you that story <coughs> a few minutes ago. Look at what God, look at what the Bible says. It said, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Now listen to the promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous. Read it out loud. And you will be a blessing to to who? To others. In other words, again, this is not just about you, Abram. This is about others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Read the last verse out loud. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And they were. God's guidance for you is never just about you. Let me give you one more. The guidance of God requires both 
seeking and following. The guidance of God requires both seeking and following. You know, I was thinking when I was reading the story again, I was thinking to myself, I wonder why there weren't others who saw the star and weren't there. And part of it is probably because, you know what, these magi were were actually seeking. They were actively seeking for what God was up to. And so they saw him. And a lot of times, I think maybe that's why we miss. Look at me. Hear my heart. My guess is in this last year, God has shown a star for you. God has shown a sign. God has sent a nudge. God has done something where he's wanted to get your attention. And my guess is there are some of those that you have missed probably because you really weren't looking for them. I love my, my life verse is Jeremiah 29, 13. It's on, on your outline. Read it with me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But it's not just about the seeking. It's also about the following. Great verse from Deuteronomy chapter 30. It was right before the Israelites went into the promised land and God was giving them some final instructions. And he said, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now read this next part out loud. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. Now read that last sentence out loud again. This is the key to your life. To your life. Let that sink in for a second. It's not just about God giving you the commands. It's not just about God showing you the way. It's not just about God showing you the direction. It's about us following that. It's about us obeying that. It's about us heeding that. Here's the deal. I put this on your outline. The wise men didn't just see the star. Guess what? They followed it. They didn't just hear God speak in a dream. They obeyed him. Look at me. It doesn't do God any good to show us where we ought to go if that's all we get is just information and we never follow him. It doesn't do God any good to to show us the things that that we need to change in our life if we don't actively follow that and pursue that. And that's my commitment to us, our cha- my challenge to us in 2021, is that we would do those two things, that we would seek him and that we would follow him. <laughs> we, are a, uh, we are a species that want to do life our own way. We want to go our own route. We want to know what the rules are, but we want to make believe sometimes that the rules are just for everybody else. And that gets us into all kinds of trouble. There was a, this uh, 
Last year, there was a, a woman in, in Southfield, Michigan, that learned this the hard way. Um, city of town of Southfield had a uh, they had a water main break, and they had to bring the crews in and tear up the street and finally fix the water main. And then it took about two weeks to get all of that fixed and that pipe repaired. And then they got the crews in and they put the new concrete in for the for the road. There was a woman on the day they finished the concrete who drove up to where that intersection was, and there were barricades there that you're not supposed to go past. There were workmen there waving traffic in the direction they were supposed to go. There were signs that said no right turn. But in spite of the barricades, in spite of the workmen, in spite of the sign, this woman decided she was still going to go her own way. Throw that picture up on the screen. And that's where she ended up. In six inches of, or 12 inches of concrete. And so they had to tow her out, tear all of that up, and completely re-pour it. All because one person decided they were going to do it their own way. Look at me. Just hear my heart. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you. And they're plans for good, not for evil. Their plans, those plans are to give you a hope and a future. And God is trying to guide us toward that future that he has prepared. But the only way that future happens is if we seek him and we follow him. Can I make a suggestion? If you've found yourself being a little bit like the, that woman this last year, driving your own way, doing your own thing, trying to you know, take life how you want to take it, can I make a suggestion to you? Get out from behind the wheel. Allow God to begin to take the control of your life. Open your heart to hear what he might want to say to you. Open his word to discover what he really does want you to become and what he really does want you to do. And as God shows you, follow him. Seek him and follow him. This morning, well, we're going to take just a moment. Rachel's going to lead us in uh, that beautiful little chorus. It basically says, the, the more I seek you, the more I find you. And during these next few moments, would you do something for me? Would you surrender this brand new year coming to God? Would you surrender your will to his will, your plans to his plans? Would you surrender the, your right to rule your life your own way? Would you surrender that over to God and truly make him the Lord of your life? Pray this prayer. Lord, if you will show me I will follow. God, how we thankful we are today that you, you are our Father and you are our Shepherd, that you are the God who guides us. Lord, today as we think about this new year, we've openly admitted we need your guidance in our lives. So help us to surrender to that today. Help us to surrender to your pace 
Father, we often want to get there a lot faster than you want us to. And help us, Lord, to just walk in step with your Holy Spirit, knowing that the journey with you is rarely a quick trip, that sometimes it just takes time. Remind us, too, Lord, that just because we're following you, it doesn't mean we're not going to struggle along the way. Difficulty, detours, they're a part of every journey. But you'll be with us. You'll keep guiding us, and you'll give us the strength to endure. Remind us that it's not just about us. Sometimes, Lord, we get so self-centered in our faith, and we think you just want to pour out your blessings on little old me. But, God, we forget that you love all of your children. and Sometimes the places you're taking us to has little to nothing to do with, with us at all. And, Father, help us to seek you. Help us to not be passive in our faith, but to truly pursue you with all of our heart. And as you show us, Lord, the character traits that we need to take on, as you show us the shaping that you're wanting to do in our lives, as you show us the kind of people that we need to be, as you show us the places you want us to go, as you nudge us with the things you want us to do, Father, help us to be obedient. Help us to not just see the star. Help us to follow it. Help us to stop trying to be in control of our lives. And allow you to take the wheel. And help us to trust you wherever you might lead us. Lord, we love you so much. Guide us into the future, we pray. In your precious name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.